All right, so welcome back to House Lights. I am Liz. I'm with two people from my culture desk, Jaden Beard and Alex Walters. Um, we're just going to jump right into Twitter Teaks. we got a lot to cover today. So the first thing this week is something that completely blew my mind because I never thought this would happen. BTS, the really big K-pop band, is breaking up until 2025 because the band members need to fulfill their mandatory duty to serve the military in South Korea. They told their fans that they would be back and to believe in them, that they would continue to make music. They said that they respected their country and all wanted to serve. Um, this followed the countrywide issue on whether big band members should have to still perform their military duty. Before this, one of the members, the oldest one, who's actually 30 years old, I didn't know any of them were that old, but all right, had filed for a request to delay his duty, but has now revoked it, and the rest of the members are now joining in behind him. Honestly, their fans are surprisingly calm about this. I, it, They're saying they like respected them and their choice, which I thought was insane because they're like notoriously known for being one of the craziest fandoms in the world, like worse than the Directioners, and like I can say that because I was one, uh, they, may, they may be more likely to be calm because apparently there will be some solo projects coming out from some of the members during the time that um, they will be in the army. And I was thinking maybe it's like a scapegoat, <laughs> like One Direction's like break to do solos, but that would be like pretty elaborate and dangerous. So let's hope that the BTS, or for the BTS army, everything's going to be okay and they will come back in 2025 now. Jaden, I know you have some thoughts. You can go ahead. I'm just wondering how they're still going to even put out solo work if they're, you know, in the military. I don't, I'm just wondering how that's going to work. And if they are going to be putting out solo work, why couldn't they do it as a band? Because if they're all going to be in the military, right, they like, should be together. They should be busting it down in the military <laughs> barracks, you know, like making some tunes. I don't, I think some of them are serving at a different time. Okay. So I think that's why there's some solo projects. But it'll be really interesting to see... Um, if someone, like, takes off out of this. Because, of course, we had, like, Harry Styles have, right. like, the biggest out of One Direction. I don't know why I keep comparing K-pop to One Direction. I don't think that's well, very applicable. But maybe. I think it's a... I don't know. I think it's kind of applicable in the sense that One Direction also had this crazy, insane, like, boy band-oriented fan base, which I also can say because I also was a big Directioner. Who was your favorite? I was a Nile girl. I was a Harry girl. It was basic, but, you know, since day one. <laughs> All right, so um, hopefully it's not a PR stunt, but honestly, kind of funny. I think Military that propaganda. It would. It, I think it's kind of the only excuse that they would be able to give that the BTS fandom would sort of be able to That's respect. True. Government mandated <laughs> army service. So it's kind of perfect. Yeah. But I, I do hope that everyone is safe. Absolutely. And I hope that they return, because a lot of people love them. Absolutely. So next I have some bad news. We can no longer listen to Paper Planes by MIA. This is especially sad for me because this was my audition song for a competitive dance team at Indiana Elite, uh, sorry, Ultimate, but we must do what has to be done. So, to just give some backstory, after Alex Jones, host of InfoWars, was found guilty of lying and spreading information about the Sandy Hook and Uvalde shootings, he was made to give around a billion dollars to the families of the children who died in those shootings during, as, as he should, uh, side note, he made fun of those families on his live broadcast during the sentencing, saying that they would never get that money. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I have so much to say about that, but it's all unkind towards Mr. Jones, so I can just move on. But MIA is continuously now coming out on Twitter and saying that if Alex Jones has to pay for lying, then why doesn't every celebrity pushing vaccines have to pay as well, implying that vaccines aren't real or don't work, and basically standing up for Alex Jones. 
MIA is now going on a Twitter rant uh, for alt-right beliefs. And I'm just wondering, like, what is going on with this epidemic of celebrities turning alt-right? Like, is it for clout? Do you guys have any thoughts on this? That's that's a good question because the thing is, it is bringing them clout and it is bringing them a lot of attention when it really, you know, it really shouldn't be something that's they're probably profiting off of. And so, I mean, maybe these beliefs aren't just for clout, but maybe these, you know, they feel comfortable bringing out these beliefs because these like other celebrities such as Kanye are doing it too. They're yeah. doing it before and, you know, they're still probably profiting off of it. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, who has heard of MIA in like the last couple of years and now she's like blowing up on Twitter again because she's saying the vaccines don't work. But it's which, weird to me when it's yeah. like somebody that's actually like when like Kanye, I mean, that's kind of been like a slow descent. But when you see like these like bigger celebrities that actually have a following do this, it's a little bit stranger because I get it. Like, you know, like the the guy who was like the um, he was like the dad in Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Has now found this like kind of very niche following amongst like right wing people, or these like not washed up, but just like I didn't know about that. Well, yeah, the guy he's he's Rory's dad. Oh, Christopher. Who, yeah, <laughs> he has like a, or like Scott Bayo or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like they don't really have much going on, so it's like this niche lane of like you can just declare I'm right wing, and like people are like, see, we got one. Um, but it's weird <laughs> to me when it's like actual relevant um, celebrities that suddenly have this like shift. Yeah, like urge to be part of. Like, a political... that's not even going to bring them, like, good, like, you know, most right. of the time, like, a good narrative. It's going to bring them, like, a bad narrative. But I guess all... Pu- do we agree that all publicity, like, all publicity I is I do not publicity? agree. Because... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can see from the perspective of anything that's going to, you know, boost me in the algorithm. I don't defend that at all, but... You know, if that's the perspective that they're coming from, I just don't think that works. It's not also something that's, like, long-term. You know, like, sure, you're going to blow up for being anti-vax, but then that's going to be the only thing that people associate you with instead of Paper Planes, which is a good (laughs) song. It's a great song. It's a great song that could have been the legacy, but no, now it's going to be saying that vaccines are lies, which is insane. That song is on my Angry Girl playlist. Like, what am I supposed to do now? I have to change it. You have so to replace sad. it. You have to replace it. All this to say, Candace Owens invited her onto her podcast, and I'll be listening to it out of pure morbid curiosity. And also, all this to say, go read my coverage on Candace Owens at MSU, as well as go read my in-depth tweets on Liz underscore Nas on Twitter. I need more followers. Also, give me that blue check mark. Okay, my, my final Twitter tea is an update on Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles drama, since they can't seem to keep their names out of the headlines. So, texts came out today as well as accounts from their ex-nanny between her ex, Jason Sudeikis, and um, her where Jason explains he didn't feel safe with her leaving the children to go see Harry. I mostly had to cover this because one of the details of these texts was that she was making a salad with her special dressing for Harry while she was still in the family home, and it caused a huge fight. I don't know why she had to address that she was making it with her special dressing, but that was just too funny to me. What's in the special dressing what makes I it special know. i want to know probably like her love for harry Styles. drop the recipe please i need to know the special dressing recipe please but um when she went to go bring harry the salad jason threw himself in front of her car <laughs> laying on the ground so that she could not go see harry or at least be late um which is just i just think it's ridiculous and low-key like abusive on both sides But I just, like, feel for the kids having to see their parents go through this, like, insane breakup. Also, I feel like Harry needs, like, take some of the blame, at least, like, having, like, the family fall apart and allowing Olivia to bring him a salad 
with her special dressing. Did she not make extra for him? Was it just it was just, it was just for, Harry. for Harry? I think that's the problem. That Jason when, really wanted that special dressing. I mean, that would make me lay out in front of the car, too. <laughs> I get it. You know what? I get it. I'm, like, I'm fiending, actually, for a really good salad. <laughs> What's your favorite salad dressing? Oh, I think I just have to go with ranch. Just a classic. Uh, but, you know, it's a classic for a reason. I'm going to have to go with Caesar. Yeah, valid. Go ahead. Honey mustard. It's a good oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's for chicken nuggets. No, it's a good dressing. It's fun. All right. Just anyway. Out of the blue dressing <laughs> that night. That is really out of the blue. Let's get into today's topic, which I brought you here for, um, which is specifically for October. Some spooky movies today. I brought my two guests to talk about horror movies. Jaden loves horror movies. Alex isn't too much of a fan. I've come here with three horror movies myself that I like and one that I don't because I'm also a huge fan of horror movies. I actually just wrote a Her Campus article that's not out yet on my frustration with horror movies never being nominated for Oscars because I think a lot of critics don't like them. What do you guys think about that? I wanted to get your opinion on that really quick. I guess I haven't really noticed that that's happening, but now that I'm thinking about it, horror movies aren't really nominated so much for Oscars, and they tend to be some of the most, especially the psychological ones, they tend to be some of the most, like, well-thought-out ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be talking about some of those today that did not get, like, any, like, uh, nomination at all, but I thought were amazing, so... Right. So my first horror movie I wanted to highlight was, and these are, I guess we can like say these are like our recommendations okay. as well for October because I want to give it like a really like, like a good like I, I want to have a purpose to this so everyone should go watch these. All right. So my first horror movie I wanted to highlight was Hereditary, directed by Ari Aster. It's about a family that is deeply pained by the traumatic loss of a child, but in the end, it all seems to be a nefarious plan by some paranormal cult. It follows the family. I love this movie mostly because it looks incredible. Cinematography is amazing. The direction is fantastic. Tony Collette is an amazing actress in this, and all the actors do a great job. It has a, like a great story behind it, which I think is hard for a lot of horror movies because it, it's mostly about you know scares, at least for like the basic like Blumhouse films. But like, there's this scene at the dinner table between the family that is like one of the best written scenes I've ever seen. Um, I watched it today because I got excited to talk about this. I sat down and, like watched the scene because it's that good. It like has this great dynamic between the family, like the family tension around grief is just perfect. Um, it was it was the feature film debut for this director as well, which I thought was incredible. I think this is the perfect Halloween film for those artsy, pretentious film school wannabes, but also a scary movie. It's, uh, just scary moments for everyone due to its like cinematography. It's very jarring. I would say it's downright disturbing. Have any either, either of you seen this movie? I've not seen it. I've not, but I really want to. Yeah, it's like I would say it's like a new classic, but I was just so surprised with how it like didn't get any attention. Like, from mainstream, at least. Right. And I don't want to say, like, oh, it's underground. Because it's, like, an A24 movie. Like, that's so pretentious of me to say that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. The next one is also an A24 movie on my list. It's called The Witch. This movie is directed by Robert Eggers. And it's, like, a period piece based on a Puritan family who has to move to settle their own land to escape religious persecution. Which is, like, a really weird setup for, like, a horror movie. However, when they move there, you guessed it. There's witches in the woods. Therefore, it's called The Witch. Uh, that's around their house, and it slowly starts to pick on all of the family members. Again, it's beautiful. It's jarring. You can barely tell what they're saying due to their accents. So it's a lot of lost in translation scares. Not really sure what's going on. <laughs> Alex is giving me a weird look. It's fine. Uh, sometimes weird religious stuff in the background of a movie makes for more disturbing imagery. Anya Taylor-Joy is in this. She's great. 
It's just, like, straight-up spooky. I would love to, like, see more ambitious horror movies like this with, like, old-timey fears, but, like, make them scary in a modern light. Either of you seen this one? I have not. I'm have adding movies to the list. It. This is so sad. Maybe I am more underground than I thought. <laughs> Maybe I am more film school. Anyways, finally, my last good movie is something that was from this year that really flew under the radar, in my opinion, which was called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. You would think that Pete Davidson being in it would be the scariest part of this movie, um, but it was really all the tension. This movie is about a group of long-lost rich friends coming together to party while a hurricane goes on in their town. I don't know. It's called a, like, they call it a, like, a hurricane party and i'm like who does that i don't think that's a real thing I'm like you should probably like evacuate your house probably. and <laughs> however a string of murders occurs in this house during the party pointing them to suspect one another it begins as like a murder mystery but it really continues to analyze gen z culture and how friends interact with each other like through technology and just how complex friendships are today i think it was the perfect way to frame this film and it really does have as many funny moments as it does scary moments um, it's definitely something you can put on with your friends and, like, have a conversation after. Like, I really don't think, like, The Witch and Hereditary is, like, a date night movie or, like, a friend's, like, getting together for Halloween type of movie. But this one definitely is. Um, and it also has a crazy twist, which I can always, always get behind. I'm going to do my last one, which is the worst movie I've ever seen. Not just the worst horror movie I've ever seen. The worst movie. It just happens to be horror, which is uh, Fantasy Island from Blumhouse. Uh, this is a remake of the show Fantasy Island, which allows people to live out their fantasies. And then it starts to become more of a nightmare. Ooh. Lucy Hale is in it. It was literally awful. So many plot, so many plot holes, so many cheap scares. Movies like these are the reason horror isn't taken seriously, which really sucks. But that was, yeah. I've never seen that movie, but, I mean, it it sounds like a good premise, so, like, I'm surprised that they botched it. Well, yeah, it was such a popular show, that's why they remade it. Oh, and then all of a sudden, okay. it was just, like, I guess it was just handled wrong. Like, my mom came and saw it with me. This was when I was working at AMC, so I got free movie tickets for everything. That's awesome. I, no, seriously, best job ever, but then COVID hit, so I had to leave. But, um, like, I, I loved going there because I always got free tickets I could see every movie even if I thought it might suck so I would just so I brought my mom she's like that was awful so Christine does not recommend either anyways that was that was my list Jaden okay. do you want to get into yours I would love to get into my list amazing so my first movie this could be a hot take but it's the 1990 it movie okay and I know this is controversial because <laughs> a lot of people really loved the, um, the remake and I really enjoyed it too but the original It movie has such a strong personal significance for me. Um, as most of you are probably aware, it's about the clown that kills and eats children. So when I watched this movie, I was way too young to watch it. Uh, it definitely traumatized me, and I was terrified to go by the sewer. I was scared to even, like, go shower because, you know, the clown lived in the sewers, and I thought this was fully real. And I thought the sewer danger. Is he gonna come up through the shower because he's in the sewers? Is it a really small? That's clown? what happens in the movie. <laughs> it's or a really like small blood comes Honey, through. I shrunk the clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that movie scarred me. I want to say for even up to a year, I like wouldn't be able to like not go through a day without thinking about it. Oh my! Gosh. And so that's why it's my number one movie because a good horror movie is a movie that genuinely terrifies you, and that movie terrified me. So my second recommendation is get out get out is a very deeply disturbing movie and it's one of those movies that just kind of like stick with you for kind of you know for longer than you watch it for you know days after 
but you know, not in the sense of like the fantasy horror, but you're thinking about, you know, like what's going on. You're thinking about like things that it's like, well, that's not real, really not realistic. So mm-hmm. I, it's been a while since I've watched it, but basically the premise of Get Out is a black man who is visiting his white girlfriend's family for the weekend and they hypnotize him and they pretty much put something in his brain where it it sends them sorry i'm sorry it sends him into this like abyss and their goal pretty much is that they want to kidnap him or i believe organ harvesting and it's genuinely very it's just a very disturbing movie but the reason that one of the reasons it's so good is because it just holds your attention the entire time you're on the edge of your seat up until the very end which i won't i won't tell the ending but i thought the ending was very well thought out for this movie so that's my second recommendation i have to jump in really quick because get out was one of my favorite movies that year and it's also one of the ones that has break like broken that pattern of not getting nominations or not right. getting critic uh like critic acclaim it's it's honestly one of my favorite horror movies of all time i think jordan peele is one of the best working directors right now I agree. Because um, Nope was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was this year as well. Honestly, I really wouldn't call that like a horror film. Um, but like Us was a horror film, I would say. Not my favorite of his. I'd probably put it at the bottom. But Get Out was just so well made. Daniel Kaluuya is fantastic in it. But yeah, great movie. That's a great pick. This is getting away from my list, but have you seen Candyman? Directed I by Jordan Peele? No, I, I seriously not. No, I haven't seen it. It was really good. Um, I watched it. Sorry, I watched it last weekend, and when I heard, when I like read the description, I was like, "This isn't scary at all." But I was genuinely scared from that movie. Which, yeah, he did a good job. Where would you rank that one? Because I seriously, I haven't seen it. Which I'm really kicking myself. Candyman. Right I don't know. I don't know if I'd rank it as one of my favorites, just because I just thought the premise is very like unrealistic. Yeah. Which I mean. I mean, so is the case for so many horror movies. Right. But the premise is that it's you just say Candyman three times into a mirror, and then he shows up. But at the end, it was really, sorry, it was really well thought out, and it kind of all comes together in the end, which is a really satisfying part about horror movies. So I would say it, I would rank it five stars for sure, but I wouldn't say it's, you know, one of my exact favorites. Right. Yeah. Okay, so my last favorite is Friday the 13th. And this is one of my favorite horror movies just because, to me, it represents the original, like, classic, I believe it was in the 80s, um, horror movie. And it's just the basic premise of a serial killer, like, massacring teens at a summer camp in order to punish them for being promiscuous. And I just think that's such, like, a classic horror movie premise. And I don't think I would be able to, like, make this list without sort of shouting it out. So a horror movie that I hated was... (laughs) bird box and i know oh God, that's I a hot take as well movie. no no i'm here with you i'm glad you agree i'm yes. glad you agree because that movie was so overrated in my opinion and it was just so hyped up and i was really excited to watch it and one of my least favorite things is when i'm really excited to watch something and then i'm sitting through it and i'm bored the whole time yeah. so this isn't giving away the ending most people have probably watched Bird Box, though. But one of my biggest issues with movies in general is when you can tell that the entire ending is just to set up for a sequel. And especially when that sequel doesn't happen, it's just, I hate it so much. It's very unsatisfying. It's one of the most disappointing ways to end a movie. And Bird Box is just, like, one of, like, the most prime examples of this, in my opinion. It was so boring. And this is also a personal thing that, you know, I most people probably don't feel this way. But I hate movies where 
the entire of it is like travel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they're like yeah. traveling and then they're just like facing obstacles while traveling. I just think that's boring. And I just think that they could have done it better. I thought the premise of this movie was great. In the beginning of this movie, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, this is interesting. This is going to be good. And I was so disappointed and I was just waiting for it to be over. Um, I had the same feelings about that movie. I'm glad. It was, it, and it was so hyped up. It was so hyped up with the trailer. And then it was just kind of disappointing, which I agree. All right, Alex, why are you not a fan of horror movies? Well, I mean, thank you for having me. I heard of, that of um, House Lights needed a horror movie hater. So yeah, I'm happy to hate. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of the horror genre, which I think is an unpopular opinion in this room. Um, yeah. Well, here's my biggest, you know, and I even brought for you today. I did my homework, and I found a horror thing. That I do like. I'm so um, happy for you. And I think it connects to why I don't like it. So I'll start with that for people who yes. are just here for the recommendations. It's not a movie. It's a horror TV miniseries. That's, that's okay. Uh, it's a 2021 show. It's on Netflix. It's called Midnight Mass. I don't know if either of you have seen this. I have not. I have not. It's created and then a lot of it's written and directed by a guy named Mike Flanagan who did um, haunting the Haunting series, like Haunting of Hill House and all yes. that yeah. uh, on Netflix. And then they gave him money to make this project, which he said was like his dream project. And it's like seven or eight episodes, and it follows this little island that's like off. It's you know in like a nondescript East Coast location, and it's all these people that live on this island. And the protagonist is like he was like the cool guy who went to the mainland, and now he's back with his family. And this new preacher comes in, and there's I don't want to give away too much because it very much is like it's as much of a, a mystery as a horror property, I guess. But you know, there's an element. There's this kind of vampire subplot, and there's this new priest that's coming in and doing very mysterious things. And it just felt very mysterious. But what I loved about it is my biggest sort of gripe with modern horror is that it feels very disjointed. Like it feels like you watch a movie and there's like, this is the scene where we're going to have the plot. And then it's like the music goes like, and then it's like, (laughs) this is going to be the horror part, right? And like a few years ago, I remember Martin Scorsese got into some trouble for calling Marvel movies theme park rides. And like, I thought that was pretentious. But I am going to evoke it here. And it does kind of feel like a theme park ride when you're watching a movie and it's like, this is the scene where we're going to do the plot. And then right. it's like when you're at Disney World and it turns the corner and it's like the big like drop or whatever. And it's like, now it's the scary part. Right. What I loved about this show as I was watching it is that all of the moments where it's like the horror with like the scares and like the creepy ghoulish goblins or whatever yeah. were the biggest moments in the plot where you're sort of learning more about the mystery. So it felt very like connected and smooth. It, felt, it didn't feel disjointed at all. So I really yeah. liked it. I think non-horror fans could get behind it. I would hope horror fans can too, but I don't know if I can speak to their their tastes. <laughs> no, that actually sounds really interesting. I might have to check it out now. I think you really, you hit something on that because I also hate when you're like, oh, I'm expecting that something's going to pop out at me yeah. and it's just going to be a cheap scare. I love when it's throughout just a little bit jarring and you're getting ready for it. But I, I like that it's like it's like a musical. You know, if you have a song that can push something forward, I'm sorry, I have to bring things you back to musical to theater. Um, but it's like if it can move forward the plot rather than just be its own separate thing, it's going to be better. I agree with that. I do think that that's a problem in horror. I think that the horror genre is interesting because movies are either really bad or really good. And I think that's, you know, kind of a common theme in the really bad ones that they're just following this very specific laid out sort of formula and the formula works sure but you know I know I do know what you mean like it doesn't seem as so like cohesive yeah I would say really quick because I know we have to get going really quick but um paranormal activity is a great way to show off like the formula works but it doesn't really like work 
is in like it's an original story, but it works to sell because you have the same movie about six or seven times over and over again where you're getting the same scares, the same people, the same found footage, and yet it sells every single time. But is it a good film? And I would say probably not. Do I have the Paranormal Activity box set? Yes, because it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but I wouldn't say that they're good movies. It was like a gag gift. Well, <laughs> Wait for just, me to get the box set. It's just not something that I like find myself seeking out. Like, Jaden, you said that, like, it was a great horror movie because it, like, traumatized you for a year and made you <laughs> terrified insane. of, like, tiny clowns coming out of your shower. <laughs> like, I just don't, I, I don't know. I would never seek anything out that's going to traumatize me. Like, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I want to laugh or I want to be, like, moved emotionally. I don't want to be terrified. That's fair. It's like, but <laughs> that's fair. But art is just supposed to make you feel something. It's true. Fear included. And if a great horror movie gets me scared, gets me having nightmares, I like, that's all I can think about for a while, it did, it's done its job. Yeah. And people seek adrenaline. And sometimes we want to be afraid because it's fun. Huh. It's the yeah. dueling column between you two right now if horror movies are valid or not, I guess. They are valid. I think they're valid. I think it's valid. I think it's even better <laughs> in a social setting, like with yes. like when you're like scared together with your friends. That I can see for sure. And honestly, I think horror movies are better with your friends because you can I make fun of them. Exactly. That's exactly because you what feel I was better in a group rather than you're like I'm in my house at ten o'clock at yeah. night in my jammies and I'm eating popcorn and I'm scared and I can't go upstairs to my bed because I'm nervous. This yeah, one's gonna be right I corner. agree. I love to laugh at horror movies, especially yeah. with my friends, because. There's just so many funny parts where it's it's not intentionally funny, yeah. but just like extra corny parts or parts that are super cliche, or especially just the parts where you're just like, "What are you doing? Don't go downstairs! Yeah, don't go downstairs! What are you doing?" It's well, just but great. now with like it's modern so horror movies, I feel like they like like they try to be funny, like they try to do that like superhero thing where they have like the little like quippy humor thing, uh. but then it transitions <laughs> into the scary scene, and now no one's allowed to joke anymore, and it just right. feels so like. It like feels fake. It feels false. Like it's yeah. like, absolutely. Know. Well, the, my final thought is, don't be scared. That there's gonna be a clown coming out of your shower. Don't be because it's not real. It can't get you. All right, really quick to wrap up in twenty seconds. Tell me about your most recent story, Jaden. So my most recent story was covering the um, President Stanley, covering the President Stanley resignation. I went out and I talked to students on campus who were pretty much just finding out about the news and getting their reactions. And I found that everyone was very confused and not a lot of people really knew exactly what was going on. So go give that a read if you're interested. Yes, Alex? Yeah, my most recent story, actually, I should be on the 1909 with this one because I jumped oh. off of the, the culture beat and I covered a city story. Uh, went to uh, It was a rally on campus with uh, Lisa Slotkin and Dana Nessel and uh, Senator Stabenow where they were talking about getting young people to vote. And I wrote about um, a new initiative that Slotkin actually has where she's hiring MSU students for $18 an hour yes. to go door-to-door in dorm rooms registering voters, which I didn't know. I got this text asking me yeah. for this job. I think everybody Everyone. got this text. And I was like, $18 an hour? Like, I didn't crazy. get this text. Oh. And I guess you're not good enough from Slotkin. I don't know. But no, but they have a... <laughs> she doesn't like my stories. Like, <laughs> But she's been able to bypass the like no solicitation rule in the dorm rooms because she's hiring organizers based on which dorms they live in because the rule doesn't apply if you live in the building. And so it's like if she's like, I can register, you know, 100 voters in Case Hall, she just needs to hire one guy who lives in Case Hall to go around and register voters. I, I was fascinated by it. And it's been That's super crazy. successful. She's registered, yeah. I think, like 2,000 voters 
just since you started doing it in the run-up to the election. So. Yeah, my roommate last year is actually doing it right now, so. Oh, really? Kind of crazy. Cool. Yeah, one thing I, I wanted to highlight one of my stories really quick this week, I did it on Indigenous Peoples Day March, uh, which was so important, one of my favorite stories I've ever read, I mean, I've ever written, so just go and check that out. Finally, Yik Yak of the Day, I'm going to miss the part of the night when Stanley goes goes to every dorm and reads us a bedtime story. I'm going to miss that, too. Good night, Stanley. How am I going to sleep? I'm not going to be able to. Good night, Moon. Good night, Stanley. And that's it for House Lights this week. Thank you so much, Jayden and Alex. Thank you for Thank having you for me on. Yes, and watch those horror movies, because we're the only people allowed to recommend it to you. Spooky season. Spooky <laughs> season. Thank you.